You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. What's a triple net lease? And what's a DSCR, a debt service coverage ratio, and why does it matter? And most importantly, is now the time to invest in commercial real estate, or is it better to wait on the sidelines until prices come down? I'm Kathy Fetke, and this is The Real Wealth Show. Our guest today, Cedric Farrell, is a commercial real estate broker affiliated with Sperry Commercial Global Affiliates. For 30 years, he's been helping his clients navigate the complexities of commercial real estate and business, specializing in retail. And he's here with us on The Real Wealth Show today to help investors understand this asset class better and to see if it's the right fit for them. Cedric, welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Thank you for having me. So you are a commercial real estate broker at a very challenging time. Uh, What are you seeing out there in the market? Are you seeing uh, investors still being active? And if so, in what? Actually, the challenging time is is probably kind of kind right now uh, with regards to the the volume of transactions that are going on. Right. So what we're what we're not seeing are a lot of transactions, and there's a, a huge gap. A significant gap that's closing between uh, the bid price and the um, and the actual asking price from where the sellers are, and uh, a lot of that is being driven and has been driven for the last 12, 18 months or so by the increase in interest rates. And so, when you when you think about commercial real estate, a lot of it is driven by math, and and the math portion comes from what kind of returns are you do you expect to get, and how can you finance the opportunity, and and because of the the difference between where sellers feel that their value of their properties are right now and where buyers can actually uh, invest, there's a gap. So the volume is down across the board, across large brokerages, small brokerages, uh, and and uh, the like. Uh, here, I'm in Southern California, uh, Orange County. The um, amount of investment sales transactions just in multifamily, it's about 50% less than what it was last year, which was 2022. And that's a, across the board, depending on which asset class it is. All of them are, are pretty much down. But there are opportunities, primarily when people have to sell for one reason or another. But the volume is significantly down right now. So uh, what, what I what I hear you saying is that sellers think their property is more valuable and they're not getting the offers that they think they should get. So they're just not selling. They're just holding. They're just not selling or deciding not to to list their their properties uh, right now, and so they're holding. and And uh, a lot of them are waiting for you know the the interest rate increases to to kind of stabilize themselves, and they started to do that. Uh, a lot of them are starting to come to a realization that uh, the interest rates are where they are, which is in the six and a half, seven, eight percent range, depending on the asset, the investor. Uh, now that it's, it's starting to stabilize and not increase as much, we're starting to get some some true ideas to what values are. What's kind of hurting the sellers? Uh, I, I'll, I'll blame it on the. I'll start with the sellers on this. What's kind of not helping the sellers? I wouldn't say hurting them. Is that because the uh, transaction volume is so low? There's not a lot of measurements against what the price is versus what I'd like to see. There's just not a lot of comps. Uh, with regards to cap rates and transaction volume. And so that that doesn't help anybody in the process. So I assume the commercial real estate owners who are in fixed rate debt, 
uh, are in no hurry because they are waiting for the market to just sort of settle and land somewhere. But what about people with the adjustable rates due this year or next year? Uh, they're, I imagine they're in a position where they're going to have to do something, whether it's refinance or sell. What What are you seeing there? You You said... You said the exact word, and, and and those are the folks who have to do something, and that's exactly uh, where they are. And so there's uh, uh, variable rates that are starting to increase on on some loans. I think the last number that I saw was close to three billion dollars or so across the board of the commercial real estate uh, arena. In the next uh, twelve to eighteen months, those loans are coming due. So either the loans are coming due, or the, the interest rates are going up. And when a lot of these investors uh, started three, four, five years ago. The interest rates are in the mid to low threes versus now you're looking at six and a half, seven. Uh, with that, that means that you have to do something. And a lot of them are, are looking at uh, working out something with the banks or the lenders themselves. And so they either uh, buy a, a what they call a cap rate uh, reduction so they can extend their loans up another year or two. Uh, some of them are having to bring in capital, which is requiring, I, I just read a, an article a few days ago with, uh, especially in the multifamily, because a lot of those are syndicated uh, at that level. Uh, they're having to do what they call capital calls. And a capital call is basically, in order to make sure that this loan meets the, the standards for the lender, we're gonna have to put some more equity into the property. So you're not getting your distribution that we promised you. And oh, by the way, we're going to ask you to contribute a little more equity into the so that we can keep the property from uh, going back to the bank uh, along the way. And then, of course, the other option uh, that we have is, is you can sell that property. And, and, and some of that's happening and some of that's being forced to, to happen uh, along the way. We have a, an internal group within our brokerage where we're really focusing on uh, those types of owners because they have to do something, as you said. And we're offering them an opportunity to either uh, work uh, out in, in back in the, the uh, 2007, 8, 9, we call them loan modifications, but basically work out some uh, sort of loan adjustment with the lenders. And we've partnered with a couple of different companies to help them do that uh, with the intent of, of helping them keep the properties. And, and you know, as well as anyone, the lenders don't really want to be property owners uh, along the way. So they're starting to, to really work with these um, investors uh, to make sure that they don't end up with the property. Yeah, you know, there's so many headline news about, uh, yeah, headline news that commercial real estate is going to crash and it's in big trouble. Uh, but oftentimes banks, you know, the, the banks don't want to fail. Uh, and the commercial real estate is their their funds are tied to it so banks are very much affected when things don't work out for the operator so i was curious how much banks are going to come in and try to fix the problem or if they even can right now they're they're using that that term again extend and okay. pretend and and most of the the banks are are really working to extend or work some sort of a arrangement out with these uh, uh, owners and then some of them, the math just doesn't work. Uh, and so, you know, the you know, the ideal world, uh, there's an investor that's going to come in and 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 take over or, or purchase the, the property, but the math just doesn't work on some of these things. And I'll, I'll you know, suggest office uh, as an example. Uh, a lot of the office vacancy rates are low uh, and uh, the loans are coming due. 
and the the lenders you know can't lend on a a property that's 80% occupied and uh, the the owners can't pay the debt service on a on a property like that and so there's some things that they need to do to to work out and and some of them are working out and and some of them you know are, are obviously going to have to come to market in some way shape form or fashion yeah i mean it depends on the bank right and if they've sold the loan um and and uh it, it seems like in some cases the banks can't do anything, and I, I don't know what the difference is. Maybe it's the portfolio loans where the bank actually holds the note and they have more flexibility. I, I don't know. Do you, do you have an insight on that? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily have an, an insight uh, on on that. I, I do know that you know there are you know securitized loans. The CNBS loans are, are securitized, and so they have some very specific guidelines that they have to operate by. And then the, the borrower also has some very specific guidelines or covenants that they have to perform under in order to, to keep the loan and to keep the portfolio uh, balanced. And those are sold as securities. And so the, the general public can actually buy those and they have to make sure that they meet the guidelines and the standards on, on those types of loans. And so there's, you know, their hands are kind of tied uh, as far as that Yeah, goes. so more, the more securitized, whereas the local banks uh, perhaps have a little bit looser standards there right. and, and a little more well, flexibility. Yeah. They've not loser standards. Yeah. More flexibility because <laughs> they're smaller and less regulated. Okay. All right. right. So right. for our listeners who are investors and I'm, I'm imagining not too many of them own office because when we're talking about office really facing trouble, we're talking about downtown high rise, right? Not, not suburban small office. That's a that's a, a good a good question, and it's a, a combination of both. The, the the you know the central business district, the downtown high rises are are definitely uh, affected. The majority of those are owned by institutions uh, versus uh, the individual investors or a, a group of investors, and so those are kind of in a bucket by themselves. And as you move further out in, into the suburbs, and there are individual owners of of some of those. Typically, if an it you know. A lot of folks like to blame things on on uh, on COVID uh, as far as you know the the work from home uh, trigger, if you will. But typically, if an if an office is three or four stories, those are are fine. Uh, they aren't as affected as uh, the higher stories where you have to come in and park and get in the elevator and go to the lunchroom and all of those other things that go along with it. And so, if if you look at those type of investments, there's still demand. For those, because you know they're typically owned by a small company. I actually have a, a property for sale that's an office. It's a five-unit or five um, office spaces, and there's a lot of demand for that because individuals, you know, an insurance agency, an accounting firm, a law firm, and places places like that that are smaller still like to collaborate, and they don't feel as exposed with the the large office centers where you ride the metro in and get off and walk through the lobby and those types of things. So there's different levels. And then the other thing that a lot of folks overlook, and, and, and I'll go back to the, you know, the, the more suburban, the higher quality or the more amenitized the offices are, the less they're affected. And so what we're seeing in, in places, and uh, I'll, I'll use St. Louis as an example, you know, the, the, uh, the offices that are a lot more amenitized are actually going to the folks they don't have those same amenities or the tenants that is when I say folks, and then they're recruiting them to come to their office that has a lot more amenities. So if you're a B minus B ish 
type office space or below, uh, you're kind of in peril there also. Yeah, makes sense. There's too many options. People are going to pick the good ones. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I exactly. had an argument, not argument, a debate on another podcast um, on the market with bigger pockets where uh, people weren't able to really define what office is versus retail. So I was curious because I see, you know, like you said, three to four story suburban office where maybe you've got the dentists and the um, massage therapists and so forth. Is that office or is that retail? That is office. I knew it. I was right. Okay. So <laughs> then how do you define office versus retail? So I, I will start with the, the retail aspect because there's some that are mixed use uh, that, that go along with that. And so, you know, you use the, the dentist or the chiropractor and there are some of those that are in what they designate as retail centers. And uh, the, the space for those are significantly more expensive because of the access and the common area uh, that, that goes along with it. So I would def define retail as you come in you have a door, there's a dry cleaners in that same center. There could be a dentist, there could be a chiropractor and those type of things. So it's kind of the surrounding area, restaurant, a subway or something along those lines. Office is, is more generalized. The, the way that I believe it would be BOMA, the, the, uh, the, the folks that kind of allocate assets and, and whatnot would define it is typically an office space you're going to get per, per thousand square feet, about three, three and a half parking spaces. So it's also the amount of parking spaces they allocate for the amount of space for the buildings themselves. Okay. So if you go to a, a strip mall that's got a Ross and a, a Marshalls and a Massage Envy, you would call that, you know, maybe a chiropractor. Retail. Yeah, that's retail? Yes. Okay. And then yes. office would be uh, the the dentist and the cosmetic surgery. It's like three levels and, you know, I, yeah. exactly, exactly. And exactly. And, and, you know, and because we get inquiries like that and we get referrals from folks uh, that they kind of have that, that same thought process. It's like, well, I want to be in the center with, you know, the Ross's or, or something along those lines. And there's a significant price difference between rent for being in a center like that versus being in a, in an office, an office, you're, you know, probably looking at twenty to twenty-five dollars a square foot. You know, for a, a nice office, you can get twenty-five dollars a square foot. For a retail nice center, and again, I'm probably using California more as as a proxy, but you're looking in the the, the 30s to mid 30s uh, square foot basis. You, that's so, a lot. You know, I, as a business owner, I, I wow, I'm going back to right. when I complained about two dollars a square foot. Walnut Creek. Yeah, well, this is on a national. This is on a national. You would divide that. Let's say if it's twenty four dollars, that's two dollars a square foot. Then it's you know by twelve. You divide that by. 12. Oh, okay. Yeah, you divide that by twelve. Okay, okay. So that'd be two dollars a square foot. Yeah. All right. <laughs> for an, for an office. Got it. So you, for your clients who have a ten thirty one exchange and they maybe don't want to do uh, residential, you know, one to four unit housing that we do at Real Wealth, they want. I don't know, something else, something that they can just set and forget. What do you recommend today? To, let's say someone's got a one or a $2 million exchange they need to do. 
I, I like that set and forget. That's a that's a good one versus the the, the mailbox money. And so that you know the set and forget is a is a good definition, meaning that you know, you're not going to be the one who's going and collecting the rent and uh, fixing the the windows if the window doesn't work or the doorknob or, or something along those lines. So you have some built-in property management. What a lot of 1031 exchange folks uh, like to look at that two million is probably about the the entry level on this are properties that they refer to as, as triple net. And, and a triple net primarily means that the tenant is going to pay the taxes, insurance, and maintenance uh, on that. And that's kind of where the triple comes from, the, the taxes, insurance, and maintenance. And those could be anything from a standalone bank to standalone drugstores to standalone offices, as a matter of fact, or in a standalone industrial building. But $2 million is about where you, you get to where that starts to, to make sense. Otherwise, you know, some sort of multifamily property, maybe five units or, or more, uh, that type of property is a different loan than a, a residential loan. And what a lot of folks kind of overlook on that aspect of it is that uh, I mentioned the property management before. It's always, and, and this is just one person's opinion here from, from where I said, it's always better to have some built-in property management uh, versus being uh, the owner. So you can, uh, for your word, set and forget uh, the property and, and make sure that it's maintained. Through the triple net. Through the triple net or through property management if you if you do look at multifamily uh, as an option. Got it, got it. Okay, so what kind of return can people expect on a triple net, I don't know, fast food well, place? The, or the cap rates... You know, and, and again, this is kind of market driven for for today The over the last year or so, the last five quarters um, or so, cap rates have, have gone up on uh, on triple net properties. And, and, you know, cap rates are a reflection of one of risk and, and obviously of, of, of cost also. And so they, as they've gone up, that means that the returns are, are lower or the, the sales prices is lower and the returns are a little lower. The, the cap rate overall right now for net lease properties is about six and a half percent. And the, you know, the, the darling of that would be the, the retail, the, the downside of that or the ones that are on a, a little higher end are the, the industrial properties. Cause there's just not a lot of those that go into triple net. They have some different types of leases that go into that, but it's about six and a half percent return is, is what you expect. Um, and again, if we use cap rates, we're talking about if you put that entire two million in, you would expect to get about six and a half percent return on that. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of people say, why would anybody buy commercial real estate or any real estate that's returning five or six percent when they could just go buy a treasury bond, you know, for the same. So, uh, you know, you as a commercial broker are competing with the U.S. government at this time, except for the fact that 1031 exchanges don't allow that, right? You can't sell a property and then go buy some treasuries and defer your taxes. At least I don't think so. So, you know, there right. are people who would really just like to do an exchange from maybe one type of portfolio to another if they're looking at retirement and they just, like I, like we said, set and forget and triple net lease is a great option. In residential, and I know in commercial too, but I always, like I'm, I'm fine. I'm happy with a 6% return, cash on cash return. Very happy. 
Uh, but what I love is, you know, to be in the path of progress to make sure that that property is also appreciating, that there's there's something happening in, in the area where real estate is going to be of more value in the in the future. Because to me, it's the appreciation that's going to really create wealth, not that six percent return. So on a triple net lease, is that part of the equation? I mean. Yeah. It used to be. It used, it, to, it be. used to be. And that's a that's a that's a great question. And and the reason why I, I say that it, it used to be is because you know from a again macroeconomic standpoint, you know, you would expect you know the you know, between inflation and between just the, the the regular motion of of the economy, the value is going to go up at some point or another. And in, in, a, in a triple net lease, they're typically longer term, 15, 20 years. And they have built-in escalations that go along with that, so that's part of of what you would expect. So, um, in in the ideal in the ideal world, uh, an investor would uh, expect to acquire a property at a certain cap rate and then sell it at a lower cap rate. Well, you you touched on it with interest rates where they are. That's not happening as much, and that's kind of why the volume is is down uh, uh, along those those lines. So. In the ideal world, it, it makes sense, but it's just kind of in this market right now. It's just not as prevalent or uh, possible you know, because of uh, you know, some of the outside factors between the, the debt and the, the cost of debt. Yeah, you're making six percent, but you're paying seven in debt. <laughs> yeah, you're making six, you're paying seven. Exactly, and, and you, you know, and the market's telling you that it's seven. What did we say? It was six and a half on the cap rates. Yeah. Uh, on that. So that's a, that's definitely the case. That's a challenge. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have been sitting on the sidelines kind of waiting for this commercial real estate crash that, like you said, we're not really seeing because owners are holding and, uh, you know, buyers want a deal. And so there's a conflict, right? Between buyers and sellers. Uh, mm -hmm. when do you think that would shift such that it would really become a buyer's market? I would put myself in the kick the can down the road camp, and, and I would say I I don't see much changing in the in the next I, almost and and I just went over this with someone the other day almost through the next election uh, cycle because if you if you say six months then we're going to start getting into an election cycle and, and what my experience has been is that when we're in that that cycle and we're not sure who the next administration is going to be uh, you get you know by definition, people sitting on the sideline waiting to see what's going to happen mm -hmm. uh, from a fiscal standpoint. So I'm I'm thinking that the next 12 to 18 months uh, or so, but that's that's my camp. If you talk to some of the larger institutions, I think there's only maybe one or two of them that are a little more optimistic than that. But I would say even if we you know stabilize the increase in interest rates, we're still talking getting past the election, which is what the end of 2024. Interesting. Well, I'm still seeing a lot of people syndicating, still acquiring. Um, I had a, a deal come to me just recently that they're acquiring a, you know, four and a half percent interest rate fixed uh, with the deal. And I was just how really much hesitant. They, how much are they putting down? How much are they putting down on that? Oh, I'll have, to, like a, I'll a have really to look again. Rate. Yeah, because that's the other... That's the other thing. On was that for a residential or is that for? That's for a uh, multifamily. A multifamily, because mm -hmm. the the interesting part on that four and a half percent is a, a great interest rate. And if you look at you know even the the six seven, you know historically that's not you know extremely out of line. 
what happens with the the syndication part and you're talking about loans coming due is that the banks have a standard what's called the debt covered service ratio and that debt covered service ratio typically was in the one two one two five range meaning that your net operating income need to be at least 1.2 to 1. you know 1.25 1.3 greater than what your debt service is and now they're starting to we're starting to see that increase to one three five to one four. So if you have a loan, you know the the way to manage that is you got to just put more money down. So I've I've seen as much as sixty percent down in order to, to to just meet the debt coverage service ratio with the interest rates where they are right now. So, so that's the that's the challenge. So if you're assuming a low a property and a, a low interest rate on that loan, you still need to be aware that the bank might want more money down at some point. Right. But if you're assuming loan, that's kind of like found money now with interest rates where they are. We're, you know, I, I have a, a couple of guys on my team that are working on a, a loan or working on an opportunity now where the, the loan can be assumed. That's found money. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But so you, that would be the deal uh, is to, to find yeah. a fixed rate commercial property right. for a right. The long period of time that meets the one point four. three to five years, exactly. Buy you three to five years at that same rate, you know, and yeah. that way you might be able to make something work. Yeah, good stuff. All right, Cedric, mm-hmm. it's just a pleasure having you here. If people want to get in touch with you, they can go to realwealth.com, uh, realwealth.com, and just click on the invest tab, and you're on there as the commercial broker. Thank you. I saw that. I saw that. And, and I, I do talk to quite a few folks that, that, that have an interest on the commercial front. Absolutely. Including loans, which is interesting. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure talking to you. Good seeing you. Good to see you. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. If you'd like to learn more about commercial real estate, we just recorded a longer webinar with Cedric, which you can find on our website at realwealthshow.com. Just click on the Learn tab. Once you're there, join. It's free. All you have to do is give your name and email address, and you'll have access to hundreds of educational webinars for free from everything from taxes to asset protection to which markets are the best for cash flow and appreciation. You can get a free session with one of our investment counselors who all invest in these areas. They have been doing it a long time and are just awesome. So again, you can check it all out at realwealthshow.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.